Hey there, and welcome back to the Abroad Pod. I'm your host, Nicole, and this week is another solo episode focusing on Airbnbs versus hotels versus hostels. This is a conversation I've been wanting to have for a while, and I'm super excited to dive into it today. Today's episode is going to focus on the benefits and disadvantages of staying in Airbnbs versus hotels versus hostels in terms of price, what's included, safety measures, and more. Tune in to learn about which option is best for you and your next vacation. Today's destination segment is going to be all about Estonia. Stay until the end to learn about this fascinating Baltic country. And as always, please take one moment and leave me a rating on Apple Podcasts. You don't even have to write anything. You just click the stars if you go to my podcast profile. And if you're feeling really generous, feel free to leave me a review. With all that being said, let's hop into today's episode. shorter one, but it's going to be super informative, so I'm excited to get into it. So first, I'm just going to break down some differences between Airbnbs, hotels, and hostels in terms of costs and safety measures, because I think that's what we all care about the most when booking an accommodation. So starting with price, let's talk about Airbnb. So if you've ever booked an Airbnb, or at least have looked for one in a city, you know that the price can range dramatically depending on where you are. For example, if you're looking for an apartment outside of a city that you're splitting with several friends, it's really not going to be that expensive. But if you're looking to rent out an entire home or a more unique accommodation, it can be a couple thousand dollars a night. For example, there is a giant castle that you can rent out in the middle of Texas (laughs) that costs upwards of $2,000 a night. Now, obviously, if you have like 200 friends, that'll only be like 10 bucks each, but odds are you don't, so it's going to be pricey. Just keep that in mind when you're searching. Obviously, if you're going with a group, I think an Airbnb is a great option because like I said, it can be quite affordable. But if it's just you and your partner or you and a friend, I would consider an alternative. Now, a note about Airbnb and saving some moolah. You can actually save yourself a little bit of money if you book through my blog. So I'll actually put a link to that in the show notes below. But basically, Airbnb has an affiliate program that bloggers like myself can be a part of. And if you book a stay through one of my links... I actually earn a little bit of commission myself, so it's a win-win. The only downside of this is Airbnb is unfortunately closing this affiliate program at the end of March, which is honestly a huge loss for us bloggers. It's always nice to see some of that affiliate money coming in each month, so I'm a little disappointed in them, not gonna lie, (laughs) but I did just want to plug that real quick because you guys can travel after March too. I should mention that. So the program closes in March. So the whole idea is you have to book now by the end of the month, but you could even travel, you know, in the summer. 
So I just want to plug that. I'll put a link below, but if anyone wants to book a trip through Airbnb, definitely check that out. It would mean a lot. All right, now moving on to hotels in terms of price. So hotels are typically the most expensive. I don't think that is a secret to anyone. But I did just want to point out in this segment that there's a wide variety of different types of hotels. And the reason why the hospitality industry did that is so that they can accommodate everyone. So let's talk about budget hotels, because even though the U.S. lacks hostels, there are quite a few budget hotels here in America that you can stay at for as little as $40 or $50 a night. Some of these chains are Super 8, Motel 6, Econo Lodge, and the Red Roof Inn. Now, some of these are a little sketchier than others. For example, Motel 6 is probably bottom of the food chain, but I've stayed at a couple Super 8s. Those were fine, and Red Roof Inn is a pretty safe bet, too. What's nice about hotels is because they're all owned by the same parent company, and they're all chains. They're all very on-brand, meaning that no matter which location you stay at, they're, one, going to look at the same, and two, offer the same things. So there's really no surprises there. So, for example, I did a road trip with my friend Marin this past summer. (laughs) We actually recorded an episode of my podcast from the road, literally in a truck stop, you guys. I believe it's called Everything You Need to Know About a Road Trip. It's one of my more recent episodes in season one. Definitely take a listen to that. It's pretty funny. But anyways, we stayed at a bunch of these budget hotels on our road trip, including Super 8s all down the East Coast, and they were fun. They were very basic, obviously, but they were clean, and I did feel safe. So if you're looking for a budget option, there you go. Now, moving on to more mid-range, there are a lot of chain hotels that fit this demographic, including, you know, the typical Sheraton, Marriott, and Hilton. And then there's also luxury resorts, such as the Ritz. That is a very famous luxury chain hotel that you can find all around the world, And then there's also boutique inns, which I would put under the category of a hotel. This would include Airbnbs and family-owned properties, but I love them. You're in a way supporting a small business when you stay at a boutique inn. They're usually much more charming than a chain, but because they aren't a chain, you never really know what you're going to expect until you get there. But you know what? Nothing wrong with that. We all love a little adventure. The reason why I wanted to spell out those differences is just to reiterate what I said earlier that hotels range a lot in price just like Airbnb. There are some budget hotels and then obviously they can go up to the luxury chain hotels like Ritz which can cost you several hundred dollars for a night up to the thousands. So just keep that in mind when you're looking for which hotel might be the right fit for you. And then lastly, in terms of price, are hostels, which are by far going to be your cheapest accommodation out of these three options. And just a little side note, some of you guys may not know how a hostel works, but basically there are private rooms in hostels. You may not have known that. They will be more expensive than a shared room, obviously, but usually still less expensive than a hotel. I'm actually staying in a hostel soon in Charleston, South Carolina, and just for reference, it has a queen bed and a private bathroom, 
and it's $68 a night. So still cheaper than what you would expect to pay at a hotel. Now, hostels work because they are shared rooms, and the more people in the room, the cheaper it is. Another fact about hostels that you may not have known, and I don't know why this is the case, but if you choose to stay in a co-ed room, meaning it's shared by males and females, you will pay less than if you're in an all-female dorm. I don't know why that's the case, and to be honest, it's really freaking annoying, (laughs) but just make note of that. The last thing I'll say about hostels in terms of price is they will be more expensive in the U.S., Yes, there are hostels in the U.S. They're few and far in between, but they do exist. I stayed in one in L.A. for about $40 a night, but I've stayed in hostels abroad that cost less than $10 a night. I've stayed in them all around Australia and Europe, and I know they even have hostels in countries like India that can cost you like two or three U.S. dollars a night. So they're a great option if you're willing to be a little bit more adventurous and travel. Alright, now let's get into some safety measures. So I'll start with Airbnb again. So Airbnbs, I would, on a scale of 10, rate a 7 in terms of safety. And the reason why I do that is because they do lock. You know, most of them have doors with several locks, just like a home. And they are private. However, there are no security, usually in person. And there's no staff to aid in an emergency. Airbnbs are usually private residences, so meaning they aren't usually apartment buildings, they're usually like a standalone home, and most of them don't have these safety measures in place. Hotels are obviously the safest option because they have a combination of these three things, a front desk, security, and private rooms. And then lastly, hostels, I would say, are probably the least safe, but again, take that with a grain of salt because I've never really had a issue with hostels in that sense. Like, sure, maybe I haven't had the best night's sleep, maybe some have been a little dirty, I'm not going to lie, but I've never felt not safe in a hostel. And that's because I usually choose hostels that have a 24-7 front desk meaning that at all hours of the night, someone can't just randomly walk in. There will be a security person there watching over the hostel at night. And then also, there's usually a doorbell or some special key you have to ring or use to actually enter the building after hours, which is a really great safety measure, especially because most hostels are actually right in the center of big cities. So hostels usually do have that front desk staff and security, but they don't have a lot of private rooms. Like I mentioned earlier, if you're staying in a hostel, it's probably to save money, meaning you'll probably be in a shared room with up to 18 people. And not all of those people are going to be on the same schedule. I'll get into that a little later when I talk about sleeping, but because these people are on different schedules, it can become a bit of a revolving door meaning anyone literally from anywhere could be walking in at any time, people could be leaving. So because of that, you might not feel super safe. However, most people staying in hostels are travelers or backpackers, and we all just kind of have like a mutual trust. (laughs) I would say there's like unwritten rules there, like no one's going to steal each other's stuff, you be quiet when others are sleeping, like 
there's definitely unwritten like backpacker code I would say but to that point I do always bring a lock to lock up my valuables and to be honest I do sleep with my phone charging underneath my pillow so just a tip there all right so now we've covered price and safety and next I'm going to get into the benefits and disadvantages of all three accommodations All right, let's begin with Airbnb. So some benefits of Airbnb are that they are private, so you can do whatever you want. Obviously, the owners of Airbnb probably have some sort of rule book that they're leaving behind, like, you know, don't smoke, don't burn the place down. <laughs> but generally speaking, a lot of times they are less strict than a hotel or a hostel where there's a lot of other guests. So, for example, a lot of people rent Airbnbs for bachelor parties so that you can drink till the sun comes up and no one's going to yell at you. <laughs> Another benefit of Airbnbs is that if you wanted to, you could theoretically cram a ton of people into them and make it super cheap. Now, if you were to look up a place on Airbnb right now, it tells you how many people it sleeps, but that's just a rule of thumb. You know, if you want to bring some extra air mattresses or something and split it by between like 10 people I mean it can be very affordable so that's definitely a benefit and now for a couple disadvantages number one Airbnbs are usually not in ideal locations so of course if you happen to be staying in someone's apartment that they're subletting for a night or two you'll probably be right downtown but most Airbnbs are people's private homes which will be outside of the city so even if you can get a great deal by staying in accommodation, you might be paying a lot in either public transportation or Ubers to get around. Now the big disadvantage for me is that there's no front desk to give you recommendations. And I love staying at like hostels and hotels where I can not only meet locals, but ask for a restaurant recommendation or for a tour that they recommend doing. And when you're at an Airbnb, you're pretty much on your own. Again, maybe the host was nice enough to leave, leave you some sort of binder or something so you can get some ideas, but most of the time you'll have to figure that out for yourself, which I think is a huge disadvantage, especially if you're staying in a foreign country and you may be a little lost. Going off that, Airbnbs can be isolating, especially if you're renting one alone. I would literally never recommend doing this if you're a solo traveler for obvious safety reasons, but also it's so isolating. You can't really meet anyone, so even if you feel safer or it's quieter, you are really alone. Alright, let's get into the benefits of hotels next. So hotels will include the most, meaning it's the most bang for your buck. Even if you're paying more money, you will get the most out of your stay. I'm sure we've all stayed at a hotel, most of them have pools, spas, gyms, included breakfast, other meals, a concierge desk, tours, and even entertainment like live music or trivia. Hotels I would also rank as the cleanest. Although Airbnbs do get professionally cleaned, they probably don't until after you leave slash like right before you arrive versus a hotel will clean your room every single day, which is really nice. You don't have to make your bed on vacation. <laughs> Hotels are also usually very central in cities because they are most common in cities, 
So again, although you may be paying a little more depending on where you stay, you can save some money by being able to walk everywhere, which I think is great. It's good to get your steps in on vacation to counter all the food you're probably eating. And then a huge benefit of hotels for me, especially as a solo female traveler, is again the safety. Usually you need a key card to even take an elevator to get up to the guest rooms, and there's always someone at the front desk at a hotel. Like, always. Now my two disadvantages are one, expensive, I already talked about that, and two, it's a little bit more difficult to meet people because usually people going to hotels are couples or they're for business meetings or families. It's not super common for solo travelers to stay at hotels, so unless you're hanging out at the hotel bar, it is going to be a bit harder to meet people. And now for the benefits of hostels, which by the way is my favorite accommodation at this point in my life. I'm sure that will change when I'm 30, but for now, big hostel gal. (laughs) Okay, benefit number one, which is huge, is that they're located in downtowns. Just like hotels, you will find hostels all over major cities, and because they attract travelers who are usually on a budget, they're located in prime locations. I mean prime. Like hostels, no, no one's going to stay at them if they're located outside of the city, away from all the attractions and all the bars. So hostels have the best locations. Okay, benefit number two is another favorite. It's so fun to meet people from all around the world. Guys, the stories I could tell about the people I've met, good and bad, who were my roommates in different cities around the world, I could do a whole episode on this. I've had some really great roommates. For example, just to sum it up quickly, I stayed in a hostel in Barcelona, Spain, and one of our roommates there was an Aussie. She was probably like 26. So cool. And her and her boyfriend of like eight years had broken up, and she was on this big adventure around the world. So again, we met up with her in Barcelona, but she started in Central America, did all that, worked her way up through Mexico, the U.S., and Canada, then flew down to, to South America, did like eight countries there, and then flew across the pond and was working her way around Europe. So we met up with her in Spain, but she had already done the UK, France, and then once she was done with Europe, she was going to work her way east and hit up Africa, Asia, and then end back in Australia. Oh, guys, the questions I had for her. (laughs) She was so fun to talk to. So, for example, you can meet awesome people like that. You can also meet some crazy people. (laughs) I'm laughing because on a trip in Australia, we were in Cairns, which is where the Great Barrier Reef is in northern Queensland. We had a really crazy roommate. She was probably like 50. I don't even remember her name. We called her Terret. She had like bright, flaming red hair, and she was a palm reader, And she, like, put her business cards out for us to take and tried to get us to do some, like, Skype reading with her. And we think she was, like, definitely high most of this trip because she, like, slept all day and walked around all night. And it was so weird. She kept, like, staring at my sister. (laughs) But it's fine. Go in groups. You're fine. So that's benefit that I could say. You know, meet fun people like that. And even if they're weird, you probably have some great stories, so it's a (laughs) win-win. 
Okay, another huge benefit of hostels, this is a top favorite for sure, are the events that hostels put on. I'm talking bar crawls, free walking tours, which if you guys have heard any of my last episodes, I talk about like how to travel on a budget a lot. I'm a huge proponent for free walking tours. That's usually what I do immediately when arriving in a city or like that first morning, I will do a full walking tour to one, be able to meet a local, all the guides are locals, and two, just to get acquainted with where I am. What's so great about hostels is you usually won't have to seek these things out on your own. They put them on and you just meet in the lobby of the hostel at say like 10 a.m. and you leave right from there and you usually end back at the hostel. So it's awesome. And the best part about that is the people on these tours are actually staying in the hostel with you. So if you make good connections, it's so easy to hang out. So instant friends. I definitely recommend it, especially the bar crawls. Those are always a blast. I did one in Prague. I did another one. Ah, shoot. I forget where. I've done a couple, but they're a great way, again, to meet people, and you can bet that you will probably get back to your hostel safety, (laughs) safely, because that's where they usually end, which is really nice. Okay, and the last benefit of hostels is that they're cheap. I already talked about that, but they are the cheapest options. You can save a lot of money abroad. And what's really nice about them is besides from the shared dorms, there's actually a shared kitchen that you can use to cook your meals. Now, this is included in Airbnbs as well, but again, it'll be much more expensive because that's like a private kitchen. This is one big kitchen that's free for anyone to use. So if you're really looking to save money, just hit up a local grocery store and make your own meal. Now I have four disadvantages for you guys. The first one is pretty obvious. The more roommates equals less sleep. (laughs) So you can actually book a hostel for like four to six people. That's my favorite. Pretty small. I've actually stayed in a hostel with just one other person before. It's like a a two-person room. But yeah, four to six is like my go-to. But if you're really looking to save a dime, you can get up to 10, 12, 14, 16, even 18 roommates. And I mentioned this earlier when I was talking about safety, but that means it is going to be a bit of a revolving door. By that, I mean someone could have a really early flight the next morning. So they're in bed at 9 p.m. trying to sleep. They're going to be up at 4 a.m. On the flip side, someone's probably going to the club trying to have a wild night. So they are going to be stumbling back to the room, rummaging around drunk at 3 a.m. and sleeping the whole next day so you have to be quiet when you're trying to get ready in the morning at like 10 a.m. So people are going to be on different schedules. You need to be respectful of everyone. Everyone's just trying to get some sleep. Odds are if you're staying in a hostel you're probably pretty adventurous meaning you're probably really tired. So just keep that in mind. You're probably not going to get the best night's sleep ever. To counter that I do recommend bringing an eye mask because guess what? That door is going to be opening and closing. You're going to see the light. And then also earplugs for obvious reasons to not only drown out the sounds of people rummaging, but unfortunately to drown out the sounds of people talking because you will get some drunk whispers who think they're being quiet and they're really not. <laughs> I kind of just combined two there, but yes. Lack of sleep and the noise is a problem. Also, hostels kind of remind me of a college dorm. There's usually some sort of like lounge that people like to hang out. 
If you can, try to grab a room that's far from that because just like a college dorm, it's actually very loud. Like, people are going to be hanging out in the hallways and like doing God knows what until the morning. So, <laughs> just a little note about that. And then my last two disadvantages are, one, watch out for theft. Again, I do feel like most backpackers have kind of like an unspoken rule to be respectful of each other and their things, but there could be theft in hostels, so just watch out for that. And then also, hostels are not the cleanest. I will say, have I ever slept in one where they were like rats? No, but you are in a shared room, you know, people have smelly things. You're going to share a shower with a lot of different people, bring shower shoes, FYI. Well, a hostel is literally a college dorm. So just think, think back to that if you're trying to decide if you ever want to stay in one or not and just think about how either unbearable or enjoyable that was and you should know what you want to do. <laughs> all right, guys, so that's basically all I had. I hope you learned a little bit more about Airbnbs versus hotels versus hostels. I broke down some benefits and disadvantages. Basically, to sum up, at this point in my life, hostels are my favorite. If I'm looking to save some money, I do go hostel versus Airbnb just because of the opportunities to meet people slash the safety. If I have some extra coin, (laughs) I do go for the hotel for obvious reasons. But at this point in my life, 22 budget traveler, hostels are my best friend. So I hope that gave you guys some clarity on which type of accommodation is going to be best for your next vacation. And now let's get into this week's destination, Estonia. You have arrived at your destination. All right, be honest. Who here has actually heard of Estonia? Because, to be honest, I hadn't (laughs) until I visited. As you guys know, in this destination segment, I like to share some fun, fast facts about the country, and then I get into what brought me there, and then I like to end by giving some recommendations. So that's exactly what I'll be doing for today. I will be talking about the country of Estonia as a whole. However, the capital city is the more important part of the country, I would say, because it is so small. The capital city is Tallinn, so I'll be giving some recommendations for Tallinn. Okay, fun fact number one. Let's kick it off. Skype was invented in Estonia. Bet you didn't know that. (laughs) So Estonia is a small Nordic country on the Baltic Sea with a population of only one million. To put it in perspective, the state of Massachusetts, where I'm from, has 6 million, (laughs) and the United States has 330 million. So we have a small country here. Half of Estonia's land is forest, so most residents live in the capital, Tallinn, or in the countryside. The spoken language is Estonian. Estonia is a part of the EU, and if you ever visit, the currency used there is the euro. All right, and now for a little information about the capital, Tallinn. The city of Tallinn is divided into an upper town, which is where the wealthy people lived during the Middle Ages, and a lower town, which was ruled by the merchants and craftsmen during the time. The entire city of Tallinn is a UNESCO World Heritage Site, enclosed in original stone walls with watchtowers. You guys, it is a fairy tale. 
Now to talk about what brought my family and I here before I get into it a little bit more. Basically, in 2018, I believe it was August, my family and I did a Baltic Sea cruise. I've talked about it recently because Denmark was also one of the countries that we visited on those on that cruise, which was the destination two episodes ago, maybe three. And yeah, we also visited Estonia. Basically, we started in Copenhagen and we worked our way counterclockwise. It would be a, like around the Baltic Sea. So if you're looking at a map, it would go Denmark and then to the right of that would have been Germany. So we visited Berlin, then Estonia, and then Russia, and then Finland, Sweden, Norway. So we were in Estonia as part of this cruise. So while visiting, my family and I took a walking tour of Tallinn, which I highly recommend doing if any of you visit. This will include visiting several churches and a scenic lookout in the upper town, which I really enjoyed because from the upper town, you obviously get an incredible view of the lower town plus the Baltic Sea. We also explored the main square, town hall, and market in the lower town, which was really nice. This is also where there were a lot of shops. Estonia is actually known for its cakes. (laughs) So random. So for lunch, we went to a cafe and had coffee and pastries. Very European of us. And in the main square in Tallinn, there was actually a market. And I believe this market goes on often. So hopefully you guys are lucky. If you ever visit, you can check it out too. They were selling lots of handmade goods, flowers, local jams, and pastries. I actually bought one of my favorite Christmas ornaments here and a fur hat because even though we visited in August, it was quite chilly. To sum up, Tallinn was one of the most beautiful cities I've ever seen. I call it like a hidden gem on the Baltic because it is such a small country and such a small city, but it's so well preserved. It it really looks like a fairy tale. I know most cities in Europe do, but Tallinn has way more charm than like Paris or London, for example. Every building here is painted a different color different color and every street is made of cobblestone the other two things i absolutely loved about it is there were musicians on every corner and the locals were so nice in Tallinn. the city is very quaint and has been uninfluenced by modern day architecture meaning if you look around you will not see any large skyscrapers which i loved because it made Tallinn look like it truly stopped in time Basically, I could not recommend visiting more. I definitely want to go back and maybe add it to a trip with like Lithuania and Lat. I never know if it's Latvia or Lativa. I've heard people say both, but either way, those are some good Baltic countries that I highly recommend you all add to your bucket list. So with all that being said, we're now at the end of the episode. I hope you guys loved learning about accommodations today and you learned a little bit more about Estonia than you knew before listening. Like I mentioned in the intro, if you guys can please take two seconds and leave me a rating or review, it would really mean the world. And stay tuned because I'm going to bring back my abroad series. I know I've had a couple solo episodes in a row, but I have a very, very exciting guest coming next week, you guys. I'm not being dramatic when I say she was my dream podcast guest. So I'm so excited for you guys to hear that episode, which will be live next Wednesday. So have a good week and I'll talk to you then. Bye.